0: to another episode of the accepted podcast a college admissions podcast for the savvy student i am your host tyler kusinoki bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century as always i'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my dms are always open my favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you it is time october is now and so is crunch time for everything so let me know how you're doing how things are going with college applications with school all of that i would love to hear from you send me your questions concerns feedback. Ideas, etc., whatever it may be at the end of the day, this podcast is a community first form for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox is forever open at Tyler at the Accepted podcast.com. That is Tyler at the Accepted podcast.com. All right, so today we are going to do a little bit of a primer and a review of Early Decision, Early Action, Early Decision 2, because I do think it is a question that many students are still debating, even though they've only got about a month left. So I figured now would be a good time to just have a review of the concepts and of some basic strategies just so that you can start to be thinking more tactically about how you are using these admissions decisions and options and if you are younger right this may be a good time to be thinking a little bit about how you need to research things and go into them okay so we're going to talk a little bit about that today before that do know that i will be going into all of this in even more depth in a couple weeks so i will be giving a talk on early decision and early action and that will be on october 15th initially it was going to be on october 7th i've had to move some things around it will be on october 15th that is a sunday from 6 to 7 p.m japan standard time and if you register of course we'll do our best to get a recording to you along with the slides so that is going to be again october 15th japan standard time from 6 to 7 p.m and if you want to register for that you can go to tokyoacademics.com events that is tokyoacademics.com TokyoAcademics.com/events events. All right, a couple other things. If you are interested if you are puzzling over your essays at the moment, do know that I've talked about all the prompts, right, especially for Common App. So please do dig back through our archive and go listen to those past episodes if you want some thoughts or you're just really stuck and you want to figure out how to move forward. There are some good opportunities and resources there for you also. I know that right now is the busy time and I also know that now is also the time where All kinds of feedback are coming in around your essays. So if you want to just get some clarity, it might be helpful to go back and listen to those as well. All right, let's get into early decision, early action, early decision two. So just to start off with some basic terminology just so that everybody is on the same page and if this is new to you then all the more reason to be listening to this so college admissions have several different ways they evaluate candidates and there are several different decision dates around to get your things in and they fall under a couple different categories okay so there is what we call restricted early action or single choice early action so that is one and we'll talk about that in a moment and then you have early decision and then you have early action and then you have early decision two and then you have regular action. Those are kind of the different options that are available to, and they all have different criteria that are based around them. The most commonly understood ones are early decision versus regular decision and early decision comes with the term binding and so what that does mean is that if you are accepted you must go if you are accepted you must attend and colleges like this because it is a guarantee right which is why statistically there has always been a boost uh, to the percentage chances for students who apply early decision part of that is because colleges like to know that you know if we accept you you definitely are coming here you are bound to come here and that helps us as a college improve our yield percentages, improve our yield statistics, because now that is a one for one, right? We uh, we sent out one acceptance letter and that one student accepted us, right? And so as a way of moving the numbers forward in the way that colleges can tend to prioritize early decision and the binding nature of early decision is very, very compelling. And you can see that just in the shift of how the size of the class that is determined by early decision has grown throughout the years. A lot of schools are hitting up to around 40, 50 percent. Some even higher of students committing through early decision just again because that is helpful for them it's good for them to fill out their class and oftentimes the students who are applying early decision are going to be the students who are very qualified very capable or they are athletes or their legacy right all of which the school is going to want to have some of anyways right and so early decision provides a good opportunity to Commit to a school that you very much want to have your best chances of getting in, but also commit to a school that you are really interested in attending. And Early Decision has two rounds. So there's ED1 and there's ED2. Not all schools do ED2. Just know that. And not all schools do ED1, actually, for that matter as well. But most schools will offer an ED1 as an option. And then they will also have what is called ED2. So ED1, the deadline is usually around November and ED2 will be around the same time as regular decision, which is going to be in January sometime. So what is the point of ED2? Right? Why do we have two separate application points? And part of the reason for having two separate application points is because ED2 is for students in general, uh, and sometimes who may have gotten rejected from their first choice and still want to get a boost, right? Colleges have realized that ED in general as a philosophy is good just because we like to secure our uh, our student population as much as we can. And we'd like to, again, know that whenever we, accept a, whenever we accept a student, that student's definitely coming to us. So ED2 is a second round to receive the boost for early decision and it also just means that you have to commit to that school if you were to get in so there are a couple reasons to think about ed2 most students think about it as if i didn't get into my ed1 then i will just this will be my ed2 right but the other way to potentially think about ed2 especially if ed2 is going to be a school that you are going that you really really like right so some big name schools that have ed2 right tufts chicago nyu Right? And NYU is a big hitter. Everyone's applying to NYU. And a lot of students that I work with but also have seen just in the past, right A lot of students are realize what they want to do and realize their strengths and their trajectory a little bit later right that their their narrative is not one of steady growth there or is not one of like consistent excellence it is one of growth right that maybe their freshman year they had a little bit of bump especially due to covid right which is what the status of a lot of applicants this cycle that they have been growing into it and so every step forward has been successive progress for those students you they may want to be like actually My first semester of senior year is going really, really well. I'm taking the hardest possible classes I could. And I have a couple big projects that are coming that I want to finish up and make sure are really, really rock solid. And so I feel like I can put together a better application. And just because the start of the school has been really busy, I haven't had as much time as I initially wanted to really, really hone in on my essays and put together a really good common application essay. But I really, really want to go to NYU. Okay, well, those are the situations right where an ED two option is an important part of the strategy I have students who don't even do ed1 because they are so determined to kind of use their best shot on their number one choice because they have a school that they have done the research on they have really really desired to go to but they really fully believe and we will talk about this and agree that they will be able to provide a more comprehensive better application if they wait and this could be for grades, this could be because they are taking the December SAT and that's going to be their final shot. But they really think they can really boost that score up. This can be for a lot of students who are coming from international. This can also be a TOEFL issue. Right. Um, but it also has to do with portfolio, with essays, with all of these other things that. You just need a little bit of time because you're not someone who from the womb knew that you were going to attend Princeton, right? You are someone who has taken the time to grow, to experience, and has realized now this is what you are aiming for. Okay, well then let's give that some space to develop into the portfolio that's actually going to be most beneficial. Okay, so that's ED1, ED2, right? binding use it on the school that you want to really increase your chances of getting in right or or the school that you know I am going to go to this school if I get in because I love it. And hopefully that will be demonstrated, okay? Now, do know, right, that for a lot of the top universities, ED1 in particular, is you are are going to be going up against athletes against legacy. And so just do know that that is a factor. So when you see that, oh, there's this huge gigantic boost in chances, know also that your competition is gonna be different in many ways than the regular decision, right? It's gonna be filled with students who in many ways already have a path to this school. So just weigh that accordingly, right? When you are deciding on your overall strategy of ED1, regular decision, ED2, okay? So ED is in many ways is the most straightforward, the most where you can be very strategic and be very intentional about yours in terms of your school list. Early action is a little bit different. You don't need to live in Japan to experience our world-class tutoring and mentorship. At Tokyo Academics, we support thousands of students in over 10 countries helping them prepare for the SAT, ACT, AP exams, IB, and more. Graduating from top universities like Stanford, Yale, Brown, and UC Berkeley, our tutors will guide you on the path to academic success. Your first step on that path is just a click away. Visit www.tokyoacademics.com and complete our contact form to claim your free trial and get started. We will assess your goals and pair you with a world-class tutor to make you a better college applicant. That's www.tokiacademics.com. Let's turn your dreams into reality, one lesson at a time. Early action is non-binding, right? Many of them have earlier deadlines, so November 1st or kind of in that November range, uh, but it is non-binding and they will get back to you earlier. And the reason for some of this is so that students can get a better sense of security, but also for schools who are getting back to you earlier and are offering you financial aid packages, it gives you more time to really start to consider things. And so the traditional way I've utilized early action when helping students develop a list or when helping students really think about their application strategically has been to find schools that do early action, but give their responses relatively like before the regular decision deadline and so schools that will respond earlier respond in kind of mid-december ish for a couple reasons one before Christmas you get to hear back and you get to know going in at least I'm going somewhere it is a tremendous amount of relief a tremendous amount of just release of pressure knowing that there's at least a school that you definitely will be able to, go to that wants you, all of these different things before you head into your Christmas break. Strategically, it also does a couple different things. One is that if you are able to identify target schools that are early action, that will get back to you early, and you're able to get into one, then there's not as much of a reason for you to spend your time thinking about and applying for safeties. Because you're already into a school that you would be relatively happy to go to that is ranked above all these safeties. So for regular decision, rather than spend time on schools that now compared to the school that has accepted you, you weren't going to go to anyways, you can pivot that energy towards things that are more aggressive. You can go be more ambitious and more aggressive with your regular decision list because you already have been accepted to a school that is a target for you that you would be happy to go to. So that's one. And some of the schools that respond in this way, that respond early, Penn State, Loyola Marymount, Santa Clara University, there are a few that do respond quite early. And so thinking about those strategically as an advantage is going to be helpful, at least in terms of determining how ambitious, how aggressive your regular decision list can be. So that's one. I also tend to use it as a bit of a litmus test. Um, Every cycle, there are institutional priorities and obviously the sample size is super small. So there's no way to necessarily go in and be like, yep, this determines how things are being read. But if I have some sense that a student is that their application overall is quite strong, and then we apply to all of these early action schools, many for which I view are either targets or kind of high safeties potentially for the student, and all of those come back as no's, then there is something that we now know, right? And that we probably need to tinker with a couple different things because it is not being read favorably, right? And so for regular decision for ED2, whatever it may be due in January, we'll maybe tinker with a few things based off of that kind of initial round. Again, small sample size, so we're not going to freak out too much, but there is that small sample size of feedback that lets us know, oh, okay. As opposed to a student who I'm like, okay, this is decent, right? But then um, once we submit, what's coming back is not just acceptance for your early action but like here's some money Um, here's some merit-based scholarship because we think you're awesome now i have some stuff to work with in terms of how this overall application the narrative the story that we're telling the things that this student can bring to a community all of those things are being received in a different way than maybe we had initially perceived so It also is the early action can also be a good litmus test, right? Especially the early action schools that hear back early, that let you know before regular decision what their decision is. Okay, so those are kind of the baseline, right? The regular decision, early action, early decision. There is a separate category of early action, and that is restrictive early action or single choice early action. And this is utilized mostly by some of the top tier universities. So whether that be Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Uh, Notre Dame now as well uh, have all adopted what is called restrictive early action and so it is non-binding Right, because it is early action, not early decision. However, because it is restrictive, what this generally means is that if you are applying to this school, it functionally does not allow you to apply to anywhere else, right? You are not allowed to apply for any other early decision programs. You are not allowed to apply for any early action programs at a private university. You can apply early action for public, right? And so there are all of these different restrictions around it, but restrictive early action in many ways is even more restrictive than early decision because early decision while binding, right, will still allow you to apply early action to other schools, right? Especially private universities. Restrictive early action in most cases won't even allow for that. Right. And so this is one of those examples where if you are applying for restrictive early action, you are saying clearly I am giving up a ton of other strategic possibilities because you are absolutely my number one choice. So that needs to be taken into consideration and weighed very heavily, right? Is that while it is not binding, Right. You do have some choice because these colleges also do want you to be able to evaluate different financial aid packages. If that is something that you need, you are being restricted from engaging in other strategies around your list. OK, so even if we're talking about IVs, right. There is kind of your Columbia, Dartmouth, Cornell, Brown that do ED, and then you have your restrictive early or single choice early action schools. And if you are applying to the school, the, if you're aiming really, really high, of course, right, if you're applying to the IVs that allow for ED, that still leaves you the the open window to apply early action for like an mit for a u chicago right for a northeastern for all of these other schools that will get back to you a little bit earlier even if there's not like a, a statistical advantage of early action necessarily you can still do those things restrictive early action nope none of these things are possible right the only exception for applying to a private university for early action is going to be if merit scholarship is tied to that early decision. So, sorry, that early action option. And the most significant example of this is uh, University of Southern California, USC. So USC does not have early decision. They only have early action. However, consideration for merit scholarships uh is tied to that early action. So if you don't apply for early action, you are not going to be considered for merit scholarships. What that does then is it creates this loophole, right, in that you can apply restrictive early action. Let's just say you really, really wanna be in Cali and you wanna be, and you're aiming for the top, right? You can apply restrictive early action to Stanford, right? And you can also apply early action to USC because their merit scholarship is tied to apply early so that is the only exception really that is available for these restrictive early action schools that then is where kind of some decisions if you're aiming for the very very top need to be made but for most families a lot of the decision really is around ed versus r versus ea versus ed2 versus regular decision and um, and how do you decide to make up your mind around and build your strategy around those things? In general, I always encourage students to do the research to get to the point where there is an early decision school that they would be happy to go to. I do think that early decision is a pretty important part of the overall strategy if we're trying to just do whatever you can to boost your chances of getting in in a ridiculously competitive environment. Right, And so in general, I recommend having an ED1, having an ED2, and then having some early actions that some of which will get back to you early. Now, this will depend on how much time and capability a student has if you're doing a bunch of early action along with an early decision, that's a lot of supplements, right? And so you need to weigh that as well. Right? The flip side is that by the time you submit everything in November, you're kind of done with a huge chunk of your uh, of what you what you need to do. So, there's So that's kind of the back and forth that um, you kind of need to consider. But in general, I would say that for early decision, early action, early decision two is important to try to build your list around those. If the way that you are approaching your college list building is just, I want to leverage the data as best I can <laughs> to get to where I want to go. If you have different priorities, obviously build it around those. I think that uh, the the understanding of these different options is primarily so that you can be thinking about how can I play the game? I've talked about this a lot, right? That the, that admissions now, I hate it, but if you're a player in it, you got to play. And, uh, and that is a lot of the game now is these numbers is these overall strategies around kind of what is going to do the best to, Guarantee as close to guarantee me as possible that I'm going to get in a school that was a, that is within my target or reach range. What is going to allow me to be as ambitious as possible while still having a safety net? Right. That tension is um, kind of built into this. All of this uncertainty that is a part of this whole industry and process. So I do think that uh, in terms of strategy. I think it is important to understand your options, understand what those mean, understand the percentage boost that each one gives so that you can be strategic, right? I have a lot of students more now than ever before are just like, I want this whole process to be data-driven, right? I don't have a particular school I really, 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 really want to go to. I just want to do whatever I can to get myself into the best possible school, right? And that's where things really start to get a little bit nitty-gritty where you are thinking about things like, oh, well, if you are just aiming for the top schools, then the ED boost from Brown is from only from 6% to 13%. But for Cornell, it's from like 11% to 25%. Like you start to get into a little bit into the weeds. And I think that's obviously where I can help, but also I think that that is also a trend that I'm seeing now more than ever before. It's less about there is a specific school that I want to that is going to be a fit for me. It is just if you look at my overall, if you look at the statistics, what is the combination of schools and application procedures that is going to make sure that I get into one of my top choices? I'm not a huge fan of that process. I would much rather focus on fit and focus on like, no, 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 but which schools are actually going to be the best for you in terms of the culture that you are going to engage with in terms of the things that you want to study. However, when that culture that you want to engage with is going to cost you seventy-five dollars to $80,000 either way. I understand that that decision process has a lot more nuance that we need to then consider. So just wanted to give all of that kind of an overview as families are making some decisions. I know it's tough. I think it's important to be strategic. I think it's important to look at the numbers as much as you can, but I also think it's important to really decide, right? Is this school what I want and is this school the thing that I'm willing to go for above all else, right? And if it is, Are you okay with maybe not even submitting anything for early decision because you really want to spend this upcoming time putting together the best possible application you can for NYU ED2, right? And you don't want to get locked into another school that maybe is a second, third, fourth, fifth choice, right? So every student is different. Every student has different priorities. Every family has different priorities and capabilities, especially when it comes to the cost, And so, uh, but hopefully today, just that overview of things and review of the terminology and the strategies that some of the strategies that can be considered is helpful to everybody. I know it's tough and there's only around, right, for, to be honest, it's actually more like two, three weeks tops to be making some of these decisions if you're wavering, if you're wavering reach out to me, right? Like these are the types of conversations that are important to have. It's the dialogue that is important to engage with because there is there are any number of different factors that can go into it. But what I will also say is that, is that your mental space and energy should be spending on your essays. I, in general, at this point in time, if you are a senior and your essays are not done and you're working on them, This decision around where should I go, what should I da-da-da-da-da, I do think that um, there is some degree of counting your eggs before they hatch that goes into it, Um, and you should be stressed more about making sure that wherever big, amazing school you are applying to, you are absolutely putting forth the best possible version of yourself, okay? All right, that's it for today thanks for listening to The Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you ch- enjoyed today's review of uh, early decision, early action, restrictive early action, all of that other stuff. And again, if you want to hear me go more in depth on this, I will be talking about this on October 15th from 6 to 7 p.m. Japan Standard Time. In the meantime, join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Do follow us and hit the bell icon as well for notifications so you can stay up to date. We do host events similar to what I mentioned before, both in person and online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with myself with real admissions officers, check us out at tokeacademics.com/events. That is tokeacademics.com/events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.